Well, today we continue our message series, Value Everyone, that we started the first Sunday of January, and we are truly blessed to have Ron Sanderson uh, with us today as our focus is on special needs, and I think all of us have in some way, shape, or form uh, been impacted or have relatives or friends that, uh, that understand this, and so he has a powerful testimony that I know is just going to be an encouragement to you. In fact, the 830 people just left. They were so excited mm -hmm. uh, to be able to hang out with you in the fellowship hall. So will you please give Ron a huge hand as he comes to share God's word. Psalms 84, 11 through 12 says, Lord God is sun's shield. Lord bestows favor and honor, and no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, bless the man who trusts in you. God uses our weaknesses for his glory. Hudson Taylor said all God's giants have been weak men. They've been weak enough to lean on God who's all-powerful. And I'm going to begin by sharing my amazing journey with autism. My development began normal. I said my first word, mommy, at nine months. And I like to say that I said my first word, mommy, the day I was water baptized. Any child that thinks they're being drowned is going to cry out, mommy, mommy. But something interesting happened. When I reached 18 months, I began to regress. 20% of all children with autism go for a regression period of time like I did. I went from being able to say mommy to only mum, mum. And I went from being able to have eye contact to zero eye contact. And my mom, having two typical children not on the autism spectrum, knew there was something drastically different about me than my two older brothers. She immediately took me to the pediatricians. The pediatrician said, men are like fine wine. You got to give them some time. Women are like flowers. They blossom quickly. But my mom knew that time was of the essence. She immediately got me an intense speech therapy. And I was in intense speech therapy all the way from age 2 to age 16. My speech was so far behind that age Seven, my brother Chuck would introduce me to people saying, you got to meet my brother Ron. I think he's from Norway. And he'd have me talk. No one knew what I was saying except for him. And then he'd interpret it, and he was an expert on Norwegian languages. <laughs> All at my expense. And when I was seven years old, I was entering kindergarten, and the school experts could see that I had major speech deficit, major social interaction deficits, processing deficits, and they wanted to label me emotionally impaired. And my mom said, it's not emotional, it's neurological. If you can't tell me what's going on in my son's head, I'll come back to you in the fall and tell you what it is. And in 1982, she sent me to Henry Ford Hospital. A neuropsychologist came back to my mom and said, your son has autism. And in 1982, only one in 10,000 children was diagnosed with autism. Now it's one in every 68. She went back to the school specialist and said, my son has autism. And they said, if he has autism, he'll never read beyond his seventh grade level. He'll never attend college. He'll never have meaningful relationships. And he won't excel in sports. And my mom was determined to prove the experts wrong. She quit her job as an art teacher and became a full-time Ron teacher using... <laughs> pre-ABA therapy and using writing and art to teach me. And through her help and the grace of God, I was able to graduate from Oral Roberts University with bachelor's degrees in theology and psychology with a 
3.9 grade point average. I was able to go on get my Master of Divinity from Oral Roberts University with a perfect 4 point grade point average. And on December 7th, it was five year anniversary of my wife and I getting married. Next picture. And we got married on the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And I like saying having autism, I came in like a kamikaze. <laughs> a whirlwind of fire. My in-laws didn't know what to expect. And then on March 20th this year, it will be the two-year birthday of Mikhail Marie. She'll be here at the 11, she'll be here at 11 o'clock for the 11.30 service, and there's a picture of her. And I came home from the hospital, and the first copy of my book already came out from Charisma House. It's nationally published. I'll be selling copies afterwards, only $10. Parents' Guide to Autism, Practical Advice, Biblical Wisdom, and all the proceeds go to help her future college fund or maybe marriage fund. Hopefully she'll marry uh, someone with good money to pay for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and none of it would have been possible without God's grace and my mom working with me, helping me, and refining those, and also my dad helped me out. Next picture. God refines our gifts for His purpose and glory. 2 Corinthians 4 7 says, We have these jars of clay to show this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. And God uses our weaknesses for His glory. He uses faulty tools because then when the job's done, it's tool time and you know only God could have done it. And when I entered kindergarten, they had a two teacher rule in the special ed department. You had one teacher in the front, make sure you didn't go out that front door. One in the back to make sure you didn't make your MacGyver escape through the back entrance. And they were babysitting. And my mom was inspired by two Bible verses. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine. Do you see a man skilled in his labor? He is served before kings. Do you not serve before obscure men? And Daniel 6, 3. Now Daniel so distinguished himself by his exceptional qualities that the leadership of his time decided to put him in charge of all the people. And my mom was determined to use those gifts, those talents, those abilities, rather than looking at the disabilities, to help me be successful. And when she saw how the education department was working and babysitting, she said, if you put my son in this situation, the best he's ever going to be is washing dishes. The best he's ever going to be is a bellboy holding open doors or bagging groceries. But my son has exceptional gifts and qualities given from God, and I'm going to develop those gifts. And she believed in autism refined, not cured. Autism isn't like the flu we have going around here, so don't be shaking hands. I can't cough on you. I can't shake your hand and give you the autism flu and get you a day off work or maybe a week off work. But autism is a different way of neurologically processing information and it can be refined. I'm going to talk about first autism unrefined. Autism unrefined for me looked like this. You're walking on the hot black pavement. I know we're going towards the beach so you're going to be jealous with the weather out here. You can Just follow me. You're walking on that hot black pavement. All of a sudden you feel something sharp in your bare foot. You go down, you pick it up it's a piece of glass. Someone was having Miller time in the glass and threw it on the ground, and now you're having Technic shock time 
It's jagged. It's quirky. It's sharp. It's painful for parents many times, as it was for mine. Autism unrefined for me looked like this. I had zero ability to filter what I'd say. As soon as a thought came to my mind, I'd say it out. I was much like our President Donald Trump. Whatever came to my mind, I'd say it. <laughs> thank, thank God they didn't have Twitter back then. Or <laughs> then it'd be um, on social media forever. I can just deny I said those things as a kid. Autism unrefined for me. Most kids are like bottled water. They get shake up, stirred up, not much. I wasn't at all like that. I was neurologically like Mountain Dew. I get shake up, kaboom! Like the Challenger in 1986, I'd blast off and just explode. Autism unrefined, I like to share, made me not understand social norms. My favorite autism in the workplace took place in 1996. I worked at a car wash. I was across the street from Oakland University. As I was driving to work, 97 won the ticket, made the announcement. Today, Wayne Fonts was fired. He had one of the best running backs all the time in Barry Sanders, an unbelievable quarterback in, Her- in um, Scott Mitchells, and a great wide receiver in Herman Moore, and they didn't make the playoffs. I get to work. I'm drying off the cars. And who should show up there with a Cuban cigar tightly knit between his teeth in a white Jaguar, but Wayne Fonts himself. You could say, too, with Wayne Fonts, he wasn't Ford tough. Marfa, she kicked him to the curb so quick, probably like our next victim who will be a former Patriots coach. <laughs> so I start drying off his car. There's a line of young adults there getting his autograph. I get done drying off. Well, there, he's signed those autographs. I go in the back, I come back, I give him it piece of paper to sign. I kid you not, this is the exact look on his face. Is that what I think it is? Dumbfounded? Yes, Wayne Fonts, that's a job application. (laughs) (laughs) They announced today on the radio that you were fired. You're not Ford tough as you thought you were. You see that bug? That's defense. If you had the number one defense, you'd still be working. And I don't want you calling Marvin, begging for a check every week when you can be working here, learning about defense, learning teamwork, rather than just handing it to Barry. He drove off, didn't say a word. And if you Google his name when you get home, it will say he was the most outspoken Lions coach of all time. He didn't say a word from, to me. <laughs> he just drove off. When I interviewed people for writing my book, Appearance Guide to Autism, I interviewed Jesse Stempfus. He's written two best-selling books published by Penguin House, and he shared this with me. My dad told me you need a job or you'll never get fired for inappropriate comments. They won't want it when they fire you, call you in for sexual harassment. So I got the perfect job for my dad. I really did. I got a job working at a funeral home. All the clients are dead. So autism can be jagged. Only 5% of people with autism are gainfully employed as I am. 70% of people with autism, even with the calling the high function, may never have a job. But autism refined can become something beautiful. Next photo. You're off that hot black pavement. You're walking along the ocean. I know it's not like that out there. You're feeling the breeze 
And all of a sudden, your foot feels it. You do it again because it feels good. You go down, you pick it up. It's a piece of glass. Only it's been refined by something greater in self. It's been refined by the grace of God, by the help of God, by professionals working with you, ABA therapy, speech therapy. Now that piece of glass, you don't throw it away. You put it on your neck is jewelry. You put it on a wall is art. And that's what my mom was determined to do with me, is refine my autism. There's still times in my life when autism seems unrefined, especially during my middle school and high school awkward years. Next photo. First girl I was going to ask out on a date, she was from my youth group when I was a freshman in high school. Right when I said, how would you like... She said, how come your voice sounds like a transformer? You have no inflection in your voice. You sound like a robot. I thought I'd be cute. I said, I'm more than meets the eyes. But I still didn't get a date with that Kelly. (laughs) Next photo. Autism always has unique special interests, trains, parts of toys rather than the whole toy. In the 80s, everyone loved G.I. Joe and He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe, and Transformers, and you had Teddy Raxpin, the doll, before he became Teddy the Addict in Ted the Movie. Well, my special interest was very unique. It was prairie dogs. My mom decided to use prairie pup to develop my abilities. One girl made him a sweater. One girl made him a cowboy outfit. One made him a dress, but I have to find out from Trump if he can still be in the military. He only wore it one day. <laughs> but you never know nowadays. My favorite special interest, next photo, was Dylan. Dylan's dad made him a furnace outfit because he loved furnaces. Notice the autistic face. And after Halloween, for the next three years, everywhere Dylan went, There he was in the furnace outfit. He could be in Walmart. And you have some pretty unusual people in Walmart, but this is a unique bird you're going to see coming in Walmart. And his dad shared this with me. I tried to change his special interests. I really did. To baseball, a man sport. But all he'd do is quote the locations of the player and the year they were born. You can't change a special interest. I showed this picture in Bloomfield when I spoke at an event at Groves High School, and a mom came up crying. I thought my son was the only one. She held out her iPhone. Same exact face, only it was a door. He was obsessed with doorknobs, so we made him a door outfit, not knowing that he'd wear it for the next three years. We kept knocking and knocking, and he'd only repeat one more line. Keep on knocking, but I'm not coming out. Keep on knocking, but I'm not coming out. And with autism, there's a lot of unique special interests. And my mom knew if she could use those gifts, use those talents, she could help me learn. And with disabilities, it's usually not just one disability, it's multiple disabilities. A lot of time with autism, you have digestive issues, you have speech issues like I had. And I also had dyslexia. Notice when I wrote my name in my favorite book, No Man's Valley, it's backwards, so I had dyslexia. I also have dysgraphia, bad handwriting, so if anyone needs a script from any doctor, I'm sure I can pass for their script. (laughs) But my mom knew I had amazing abilities and talents. And one of those is an amazing memory ability and ability for visualization. 90% of all people with autism learn visually. 
Only 10% can learn phonetically. So anything I hear, I can't learn phonetically. So I'll mess up and butcher people's names real bad. The founder of um, ABA Therapy, Lavas, I won't even tell you how I mispronounced his name. It was L-O-V-A-S-S. So <laughs> you can figure out the first time I presented on him before someone told me the real pronunciation. So my mom, to teach me, knowing I had great visual ability, started drawing, had me draw pictures. I drew these when I was five years old. I'm going to be in a nationally um, film that's going to be premiered in, on May 13th in Austin, Texas. A guy... Dr. Warren um, A. Becker came out from Texas, interviewed me, had a New York Times best-selling offer at my house, so it was pretty nice. And it's called Fierce Love in Art, and I'll be featured in that, and it shares about this. And my mom would have me tell her a story, she'd write it, and then I'd rewrite it. And all these I did when I was about five years old, six years old. Within two years of her working with me using art, being an, she quit her job as an art teacher and became a full-time Ron teacher. And within two years of her working full-time with me, name is now not backwards. I went from believing in a dog to believing in God, believe it or not. <laughs> but I was learning in ways that I was able to comprehend. Next photo. And when I was in fourth grade, I won the Detroit Edison poster contest for all of Oakland County. And for the grand prize, I got to meet Isaiah Thomas. There's Isaiah Thomas, there's Prairie Pup, and there's me. (laughs) My poster had animals, prairie dogs, building near an electrical wire. And it said, don't become a furry fried friend. Don't build near electrical wires. And one for all of Oakland County. And next photo. What's unique about autism is that we have sensory issues. Most people, it's cold outside, you put a sweater on. Um, You feel too warm, you take the sweater off. With us, our sensory processing isn't, we're not able to comprehend it as well. And with me, I had sensory issues with touch. Some people in here, if you had autism, you give them a big hug, they're going to want to move away, especially if you smell then it's going to be heightened to a 19th degree. But my favorite sensory issue happened when I was in third grade and I was in Cub Scouts. We had a clown coming for Halloween. And my mom thought it would be good, since there were going to be about 200 people at the event, to have me front row so I could get a good view of the clown. clown had the uh, uh, red nose, had the red hair, the white makeup on, and it had a lamb puppet on its hand. And we've had these scary clown incidences since Stephen King's movie It came out in September. But I have the cure to the scary clown today, if you're taking notes. It's called autism. So I'm sitting there, clown takes the hat off my head, puts it on this kid's head, and he's all ready to put it back on my head. One swoop, I had it. I had that lamb puppet, I proceeded to beat the living snot out of a clown. It was like a scene in living color with homie the crown in his dirty brown sock. Homie don't play that. Autism doesn't play that. Clown's nose, you uh, uh. Clown's head, he looks like something like this. I continue to beat him. He looked like Krusty the Clown if he got hit by a Mack truck. 
I go flying out of there. I never became a Cub Scout. I never became a wolf part of the pack. I sort of flew like an eagle, but they didn't give me an eagle badge either. They need a new badger, a honey badger, because a honey badger doesn't give up. And they told my parents afterwards, you never let your kid come back here. If you did that to a clown, man, what do you do to one of our kids? Now Cub Scouts lets everyone in. Not back then, not with me. <laughs> Something horrible happened beginning sixth grade. I was only 16-year-old in sixth grade, but it was even worse than that. Prairie Pup became the first prairie dog officially expelled from the Rochester public school system. I like to say, thank God my interest wasn't a honey badger. Honey badger doesn't give up. You've seen the video. The first honey badger I got, I got on my honeymoon in Chicago. It growled at me. I growled back in that big window. I bought him. But I didn't know that when you pressed his paw, every F-bomb in the book would come flying out. So I bought a declawed one. It's an Amazon one. It doesn't have a parental warning on it. And I didn't want to use the other one because with autism we have meltdowns. And if that F-bomb came out, people would think it was me rather than a honey badger. I'm just hoping Mikhail never finds it and learns how to read from that rather than hooked on phonics. <laughs> Next photo. There are two main views of autism out there. You got the rain man, a man who every day at 4 o'clock has to watch Jeopardy, who's absorbed in himself. A fire alarm goes off, he's curled up, screaming. And autism comes from the Greek word autonomous, which means self. So he's self-absorbed. You got the second view, Forrest Gump. A guy is very naive. You'd call him high-functioning autism. And he's a guy who can sit on any bench in America and tell his whole life story within... Within two hours and a half. And he doesn't hold anything back. He tells you about Jenna, the girl he banged up having AIDS. He tells you everything. And by the time you get on that bus, you're freaked out thinking how horrible life is. And he's just as happy as May Pie. Who says, Jenna, Jenna, life's like a box of chocolates. You never know neurologically what you're going to get. Well, they got him. Well, my experience with autism wasn't like Rain Man, classical autism, although I can quote Word Perfect 10,000 scriptures. It wasn't like Forrest Gump, although I do make time to time inappropriate remarks and take pride in them sometimes. Mine was more like Sally the Seal. year was 1989. Exxon Valdez hired a drunken sailor to guide their big oil tanker with 54 million gallons of crude oil. He had a few too many drinks. There was an iceberg, and needless to say, it turned into Titanic. Only 11 million gallons of crude oil covered the coastline. Exxon Valdez spent $2 billion, and the CEO still wanted to get his bonus like they do today, even when they crashed the banks or they crashed something out. So what they did to get the final money to clean up the victims of the, the actual environment, the animals who lived there, they chose one lucky seal and they decided to spend $10,000 on her to get her clean. And they'd use her as a model to raise all the other additional funds using celebrities. Arnold Schwarzenegger said, 
Sally the Seal will be back. Michael Jackson said, I really like Sally the Seal. I want her coming to my netter netter lands for all the llamas and boys. Watch out, McCaughlin. You don't want to go there <laughs> just to see Sally. So the big day came. They had Sally slipping into the sea. They even had a water slide. She goes flying down that water slide in the sea, and out of nowhere came a killer whale. <laughs> Sally the seal became Sally the meal. <laughs> My experience with autism was more like Sally the meal. These boys, they have radar. I was a main attraction. When I acted up my sensory issues, I'd explode. So boys, using that sonar ability, were able to pick me out in a crowd. One time a guy stole a tarantula when I was a freshman in high school, put it in a Gladlack bag, and someone dared me to take a shot put and brew up some tarantula stew. I wasn't going to do it. Then they double-dogged dare me, so I said, fine. I got a black eye, bang. Next day I came to school, his friend gave me a stomachache. I got hit in the gut. But everything changed as God started working in my life. God empowers us with grace to overcome every obstacle. There's a picture of Michaela. She's already working. She's learned well from her mom. Having autism, I make a lot of messes, so they got to... Having two women in the house help out with that. But God started working in my life my junior year. I gave my life to God. I memorized over 2,000 Bible verses the first year. Now I'm over 10,000 verses. And I found my new passion. God and track and cross. And my relay team, my junior year, is I dedicated track to God, ran the 12th fastest time in the state of Michigan. And on the way back from the track meet, Nate Clay said to Coach Bud, he was an anchor on our relay, I was a lead off runner, next year we'd be the fastest relay team in the state of Michigan for 3,200, but we won't have Ron on our relay team because it'll be past the age limit. I was held back in kindergarten due to autism and not having the social ability. Right then God spoke to my heart, I'm going to provide a way for you to run on track team. I told Coach Bud, next year I'm going to be on the track team. He said, in the last 20 years, no one has run past the age limit. You're going to fail. But I knew I heard God. My mom, being the great advocate here, started calling all the lawyers. She called Mike. said, I don't think I can win this case. She called Lee. I don't think this is going to be free. She called Bernstein's. I can't see this case. <laughs> she called Figer. I'm on the highway having a few drinks. When I get back from the bar, I'll call you back. You never called us back. But all the lawyers said the same thing. It'll be over $40,000 for a case, which we couldn't afford. I came back from a five-mile run, and there on the front page of Detroit Free Press was a young man named Craig Stanley from Gross Point. He ran track and cross country, just as I did. He was 19 years old, born in May, like me, past the age limit. And he had a learning disability, but not autism. They told him he couldn't compete. So my mom got with his family. They were strong Christians, which was even more important than other details. And we prayed, and his parents said, we've called all lawyers. It's, it looks hopeless. And I said, God's given me a word. Me and Craig are going to compete on that track team. That Wednesday, my mom had Detroit Free Press do a second article saying, now there's two young men. That Sunday, I was getting water baptized to show my commitment to Christ since I rededicated my life to him that year. 
And when I came out of the water, the pastor knew nothing about my story or background. And he said, I've never given a word when someone's come out of the baptismal, but I saw something. I saw Joel 2.25 above you. I repaid the years that the locusts eaten. The great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, locusts swarmed. And I just know I have to tell you this. There was some disability in your life, and it was eaten away like locusts, but God's going to repay it, and there's going to be blessing in the land. It's going to be your testimony. And this happened at 9 a.m. when I talked to the pastor. I get home. There's an answering machine. It's blinking red. I go press the button. Time comes up 9 o'clock, the exact time I was coming out of the water. And he said, I'm a young lawyer. Just got my Ph.D. from Boston College. I got my law degree from the University of Michigan. My name's Rick Landel. And he turned out to be the number one disabilities lawyer for all of this area. And he said, I want to take your case pro bono. All I need is your signature. And see, he was Jewish too. So when God has an assignment, he uses his own family when it's this special. (laughs) And we have the full armor of God, but it only covers our front side. But he has our back side with someone who's special, who's well-equipped and heavily armed with all the degrees he had. He takes our case. We end up running the second fastest time in the state of Michigan. I get full ride for track and cross country to college. Went on to get full ride for academics. But the story doesn't end there because God blesses us to be a blessing. We're not just blessed so we can get big and get big heads and float off to heaven. But we're blessed to be a blessing under that photo. And when doing my, writing my book, I interviewed over 40 of top experts in the world on autism, even the founder of UCLA Autism Center. She wrote an original book, story for my book. And I interviewed Gary Marison, and he's the one why we have ABA therapy places everywhere today. With him, he took every major federal case because he had two sons on the spectrum and got the funding. When I interviewed him, he said, I'm going to tell you the ending of your book, and that's the story I'm going to end with. You're going to share Anthony Sturgo's story. You're going to interview his dad, Ray. Here's the story of Anthony. Anthony had severe autism. He was in already 11 foster homes. No one could control him. And Ray and his wife were unable to have children. They were strong Christians, and they wanted to show that with love and acceptance, anything is possible. So they went to adopt a child, and Anthony had sensory issues. He's going like this. And Ray, not knowing anything about autism, luckily, took it as an interpreter he wanted him to sit by him. So he sat by him. They fell in love, and they said, we're taking him. We thought no one would adopt him. They said, we're going to adopt him. So they adopt Anthony. And Anthony's dad was a huge Rudders football fan. And he knew that if he could get him involved in activities, 20 to 25% of autism symptoms behavior-wise and processing could go down. So he tries soccer. Anthony's just all over the place. Tries baseball. Guy hits the line drive, hits him in the head, and he just keeps walking like an Egyptian or something out there in the field. But he takes him to a Rudders football game when he's 12 years old. They're playing LSU. This game is tied. And Jimmy Lynn goes up for Rudders with no time left. If he makes the field goal, they'll win. LSU won't be able to be national champions. He takes three steps forward, repetitive behavior, one step back, and kicks. They win. All the way home, Anthony says, I'm going to be a football player. Next two years, Anthony's dad just works with him, 
refining him, teaching him how to kick. And he's becoming better by his at football. And by his junior high school, he makes the football team. They have a losing record. And he does okay. His senior year comes along. He doesn't make the team until five games in. He plays the next five games. They have a losing record. They don't make the playoffs. He's coming into his second senior year. And having autism, he gets to get a second senior year, unlike most typical kids. And um, he's 19 years old. The New Jersey High School Athletic Association says, we're not going to let your son compete on the football team because he's past the age limit. His dad says, calls Gary Marison, says, can you find a way for my son to compete? He said, I'll look into it. Goes through the law cases. Then he finds it. Sanderson versus the MHSAA out of Michigan. He said, I'll take your case. I got a good background. But then God's working because Ray was a strong Christian. Brings a star running back in the neighborhood. Brings a star quarterback in the neighborhood. Brings a great defense. Thank God he didn't bring Wayne Fonts or this wouldn't be a good ending. <laughs> Gary Marison wins the case. And then Anthony finds himself three steps forward, one step back, kick. And he kicks two field goals. They end up winning a state championship. He goes on to be All-State. Ends up kicking the winning field goal in the All-State game. But that's why God blesses us and uses our disabilities for His glory. Because there's people coming after us. And then, final photo. This is how much of people perceive autism. How social society sees us in Einstein. How our friends see us as someone from the Big Bang. How our parents see us uninterested. How the media sees us is Spock, not very interesting social action. How we see ourselves, I miss my planet, and how we really are. There he is, NBC, the good doctor. Nurses, parents, family. And I want to end with this quote from Temple Grandin, who I presented with her at Metro Parenting. Autism makes me different, but not less. Let's just end in prayer. God, we just lift up to you our lives. Fill us. Work on our hearts. Says the pure in heart will see God. We just pray it will see you. You'll move on us, you'll mold us, and that you'll help us produce a crop 30, 60, or 100 times what is sown as as we follow your purpose and allow your glory to move through us in our weak and vulnerable vessels. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give mom a hand too? I just met her this morning. I think we should have her come back and do a whole session, don't you think? I know you have to. I just met you this morning, but I guarantee you have story after story that you could share. And uh, what, an, what an opportunity for us to, once again, look deep in our hearts. As we said, this series is challenging us. And what is our response? Individually, what's our response as a church? 
And uh, hopefully this has just made us more aware of what's taking place uh, in our world. To think that one in 10,000 kids diagnosed with autism, and now it's one in 68 kids diagnosed with autism. So there is a need, and God, what would you call us as a church to do? And so uh, we want to show you this video about what's been taking place behind the scenes and some of the things that we're preparing to do here to be able to, to reach people. Let's watch this together. So I want to make you aware of that, and also uh, we're just so excited that God has laid this on Stephanie and Hannah's heart. Hannah and her family, uh, they're recent members here to Shepherd's Gate, maybe just about a year and a half, and uh, this is what she does professionally. And maybe you're out there and God has poked your heart. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines, you you haven't gotten involved in something, and this is something that you could do in a practical way uh, to help Stephanie and Hannah as they now launch into taking this to the next step here at Shepherd's Gate. So just pray about that and see where God would lead you. And again, Ron and his mom are both going to be in the fellowship hall after the, after the service. Hope you stop by, get his book. But I would just invite you to stand at this time. We're going to close with this powerful song that's kind of become our theme song for this sermon series. Uh, but let me give you the blessing here this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. And let's sing this song out as a declaration of just what we believe as a congregation as we continue to value everyone.